0: As you've probably gathered, I like to do lots of things, (laughs) so I'm not good at sitting in the boat for more than two to three hours. Oh, that's good already. (laughs) David, David, well, the boat is open, Elise. (laughs) But David and
1: Carl. Hello, my name is Elise Lavallee, and I am your host at the Silence Between a Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra podcast. So right now, I am sitting at the kitchen table at Gwen and David's house. And I'm talking about Gwen Hobig, concertmaster of the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, and David Moroz, pianist and prof at the University of Manitoba, and Gwen and David, our husband and wife. So we will be talking about music, about hobbies, about life, and about Beethoven. So welcome, Gwen. Nice to be here, and thank you for coming to our house. <laughs> Welcome, David.
2: Glad to be here, Elise.
1: Great. So I'd like to start for our listeners to bring them into <laughs> your world about your house, which is really special. You had it made with a studio sort of a area to practice, to teach, and
0: concerts. We have concerts here occasionally, Yes. but mainly student recitals, but we do master classes here. It's David's practice studio because he has a really wonderful piano, which he can tell you about. And I actually have a studio in the basement, which is where I do the bulk of my work. Mm-hmm. But the sort of primary music space in our house is up on our main floor.
1: So when you come in, to the left of the door is where you decided on a room for that's set for your piano also, right? Right.
2: Well, I guess uh, the the room with the piano is constructed like a separate building. Um, I mean, of course, it's joined to the house, but it's got double thickness walls and outdoor doors joining it to the rest of the house. So it's as soundproof as, as uh, something could possibly be when we first built this house more than 20 years ago. It
0: also has a separate heating system, so there's no uh, sound going through air ducts to the rest of the house.
1: Really? So you can practice all the time and...
2: Well, our idea long ago was to make sure that we had a place where I could practice after midnight, because I liked to do that back then, but where Gwen could go to sleep a little bit earlier because orchestra rehearsals happen in the morning.
1: Oh, yeah. David
0: is a bit of a night owl. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. So aside from that, what I've noticed, and I've been in your house a few times for rehearsals and for parties, because you guys like to host, uh, the plants are one of the the first things that I noticed. So, Gwen, I think you...
0: Well, this was something that I've always done. Uh, Plants were a big part of my family's life. My father always had a greenhouse. And um, growing up in Vancouver, it's a little easier to have a greenhouse than it is here. And so our solution when we built this house was to have a sunroom on the back of it, which is part of the house with skylights. And it has been the plant area since we moved in.
1: Oh, yeah. So do you have, um, different vari- varieties,
2: or...
0: Oh, yes. There's lots of Christmas cactus and epiphylliums, and, uh, have a hibiscus tree behind your head, and I've got a jasmine there, and so, yes, um, there are different things, and, uh... I like to try growing things from apple seeds and avocado seeds, and sometimes they work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's always a little bit of experimenting going on. But that
1: is fun. The
0: big thing for me is because we work in a theater, and yep. it is we often spend the whole day in a yeah. theater with no windows, I really wanted to have as much daylight as possible in our house.
1: Oh, wow that makes sense and actually I remember coming here years ago you were painting something with like sponge painting I was so impressed oh my goodness this is years ago yes I know and then you made brownies too and you were sewing your dress for a concert that night (laughs) I think at the same time that sounds sort of like what I used to do yep yes yes exactly (laughs) um and David you cook
2: Oh, I love to cook. I mean, Gwen likes to grow plants that are beautiful, but I like to grow plants that you can eat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you you have a garden? Uh, we, we have
2: a garden outs, outside in the summertime. Uh, Gwen takes more care of it, though. But, uh, but
0: not really a garden in the sense of vegetables, although this year we have a new experiment. We um, have planted our own garlic. Ooh. And so this has been quite the adventure for David because... Out, when he was out in BC this summer, he can tell you more about it, he went garlic shopping.
2: Well, I met this guy, <laughs> and uh, uh. he happened to have, this. it's in a little town in BC, and he had one of the few pianos there, so I went to practice one afternoon, and he loves to have people over his house to practice, so I sat down to practice, and he sat down about where you are sitting right now, about okay. three <laughs> feet away from me, and just watched. So I thought, oh, it's going to be like this, is it? So I, I played for a little while, and he he sat and studied me for ten or fifteen minutes. Then he went outside in the backyard where he could still hear me, and when I was finished, he wanted to give me something, and he explained to me that he was a garlic eater, and I said, well, I <laughs> well, said, okay, yes. fine, uh, you know, I like garlic too. He said, but no, he explained further. He said, I have one head of garlic at breakfast time. I have oh. one head at lunch and another head at dinner. Okay. So, and I, I, I made sure that he wasn't talking about cloves. He said, no, 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 no. He has a whole head. Ooh. And uh, he's married. <laughs> <laughs> but he quickly explained to me that his wife is also a garlic eater. Okay. Which, so it's perfect. Anyway, he, um, he gave me, uh, he took me to his garage. And in his garage, you'd look up at the ceiling and there were labeled... 40 or 50 or 60 different varietals of garlic hanging up and drying from the ceiling of his garage. And I guess he thought about, you know, what was the appropriate one to give me. I'm not sure how he made up his mind, but he pulled down a head of something exotic from Turkmenistan.
1: Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what this I thought. This is what was we all it? thought, Different
0: right? color?
2: No, but it like was gigantic. Black, oh, it like was gigantic, and um, one
0: clove was probably bigger than most heads of commercial garlic. Oh, yeah.
2: so uh, I mean, I was very grateful and brought it home, and we planted it uh, this fall, and um, we're, we'll see. But we what also comes
0: planted about three other well, types I, of Well, it's true that garlic. sort of got
2: me looking around uh, for other different varietals. So I found some. I found some Siberian garlic, which uh, there's a sort of a little Siberian, uh, there's a, well, a Duke community yeah. out, out near where we were, um, where the summer camp is. So uh, brought back some interesting varietals. Tried, We've tried planting it, and now we'll see what comes up in the spring.
0: And also one from northern Quebec. Oh. So Elise, I that
1: one's know. for you.
2: <laughs> I didn't
1: know it grew there. So interesting. So you like to expand your, your cooking and your your tastes.
2: Well, there's nothing quite like fresh garlic. You know? it, oh, yeah, It is, is
1: true.
0: It is unbelievable the difference between what you get in the stores and what you get out of oh, the yeah. garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So we'll see.
1: I'm wondering, did your kids pick up on this cooking uh They're out of the house now, by the way, right? They're both
0: studying. Julie's back in less than 48 hours.
1: Okay.
2: And Sasha's back. So has that
0: been... It's been good. (laughs) No, it has. (laughs) It's been fine. They they text
2: us 30 times a day. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but Elise, David and I had almost 20 years together before we had kids. Oh, yes. So we're not your average couple who, you know, got married, had kids, and then is like, oh, now what do we do? So, okay, where did you two meet?
2: Well, we met in an airport.
0: We did. Oh. My brother introduced us in the Montreal airport. Oh. When we were (laughs) 16. Oh.
2: (laughs) We were both on our way to Banff uh, when they had a summer program. Um, But
1: how come from Montreal? Oh, Uh, Oh, you know what?
2: There was a competition there.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That you won, Gwen. I don't know if that was the year I wanted or not. Okay. It was
2: you, one of the you years won, we were you were there. Long before that, no, I was I was playing there. You were playing in an orchestra in the orchestra there. Was I? Yeah. Oh, okay. In Quebec. Okay,
1: so, so your brother Desmond, the cellist, was the there cellist. too, and he introduced you to.
0: Yes, because he and David had spent the summer before in Banff, whereas I had gone back to Meadowmount. Okay. <laughs> and so, he and David were already friends, and. They saw each other in the airport, and it was hugs all around. And then I was introduced. That's that was about it. And, but then you didn't
1: live at the same place.
0: No, David was here. You had to
1: finish yeah. high school. So David, you're from Winnipeg. Yes, I was oh, born here. OK, so you did your training here. But did you both go to Juilliard? We did. We did. OK, so after that.
2: David,
0: yeah. David was one year ahead of me. Oh, OK. So we both spent five years in New York but David started one year early and left one year earlier than I did.
1: Ah, oh, okay. I see. And then you came back, or not, not came back here right away.
0: David went to Ottawa, I went to Montreal. Okay. <laughs> Lots of travels also. Oh, I, know. I know you
1: guys travel a lot. Um, so how did it work out to find a career at the same place?
2: That was just luck. Ah. Oh. You know, I mean, Gwen, uh, when we were, we were living together in Montreal and Gwen took the audition here and won. Um,
0: you had to decide if you were I, coming or not. Well, you
2: know, we oh. Montreal is a wonderful city. We were yeah. having lots of fun and uh, playing concerts. We and doing David was doing things. his
0: doctorate as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. But, you know, I realized that I could complete half of my doctorate, roughly, and do the rest of it long distance. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, You know, obviously, I'd have to go back there and play. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we we came back, we came here. For me, it was coming back to Winnipeg. And for Mm -hmm. Gwen, it was, you know, a brand new experience. Um, I mean, from a professional standpoint, I was just doing lots of freelance stuff. Mm. And uh, eventually did finish my doctorate in Montreal, which came in handy 10 years later, I think.
0: About that. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I have to go back in time a little bit more. Do you come from musical families?
0: I do. Um, My father was a professional musician before the war, but that didn't really work out for living, and so he then became a pastry chef. And when he moved to Vancouver, um, he was actually the pastry chef at the Hotel Georgia, which had a very famous pastry department it used to be the place to go for pastries and then they finally closed it down and my father retired from that but meanwhile he was also teaching privately and he started uh, what instrument um anything strings he would teach oh, okay. including <laughs> guitar okay <laughs> um but he also conducted it was funny the other day when we did that Hoosley thing yeah it reminded me of my dad conducting the the German men's choir in oh, in wow. Vancouver okay. because he used to take my brother and I to rehearsals once in a while and it suddenly dawned on me when I was in the pit the other night that the reason he took us was so that the men wouldn't make him drink so much <laughs> okay. because after the rehearsals it was always they would always stay and drink yes. and it was and he told us that it was their the choir members objective <clears throat> to make him so drunk that he couldn't drive home. Oh yeah. And he was so proud that they never succeeded. I don't want to know what condition he drove <laughs> in, in those days. But yeah, so, and he also started the Vancouver Light Opera Society, which later became the Vancouver Opera Association. Mm. So he was very involved in music, even though he was a pastry chef.
1: So he put a violin in your hands? He or? did.
0: Okay. Yeah. And a piano? That was my mom. She was a singer.
1: Oh, okay. And a pianist. Okay. <laughs> I see. And how about you, David?
2: Well, my family is. Uh, all musical, but I think I'm the first professional musician. Uh, my grandfather was the choir master of the Russian church here in town for many years. Uh, and my dad had a fabulous bass baritone voice. Mm. Um, my brothers all play something. Uh,
0: many people in town know your brother Dan.
2: Well, he plays saxophone and is a real character. <laughs> You know, once you meet them, you don't forget him. Uh,
1: Okay, I see. <laughs> um, so, Gwen, you played with the Montreal Symphony. We talked about it uh, before. Did you always know you wanted to be concertmaster or solo
0: career? Or I never wanted a solo career. I love working with colleagues, mm. and I don't like traveling on my own at mm. all. Mm-hmm. And so, I always, I, I always felt I think my favorite thing growing up as a musician was youth orchestra,
2: mm.
0: and so I always orchestra was what I wanted to do, and it was always and my parents could never support me and so it was um a good way to earn money and to make a living, yeah yeah, yeah. right f- from when I left school, I went straight into an orchestra mm. um, and now I'm actually involved with the board of the youth orchestra here. Oh, wow. And so that, for me, is a way for me to try and um, make young people as excited as I was about uh-huh. youth orchestra. So I just sort of come full circle, full circle a little bit.
1: Yeah, you do a lot of teaching, too. You're both very generous with your, your time, with the city and with your talent. Um, so what does a concert master do? <laughs>
0: Well, that's a good question. Actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, many, many years ago, shortly after we got here, um, I did some sessional teaching as the violin prof in between before David Stewart, actually, at the University of Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And I had a young student uh, come in from somewhere in southern Manitoba. And um, she had come to the School of Music, and she was learning the violin and working on the violin. And she was my student. And I asked her if she'd ever been to a symphony concert, and she said, no. I said, well, you really should go and, and, you know, experience this. And so um, at the next lesson we had together, I asked her if she had gone, and she said yes, and then she asked me why I was late. (laughs) There you go. And so... For those of you who don't understand what that means, because it's true um, in most classic concerts that we do, it is the tradition for the concertmaster to come in after the other musicians have sat down Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the concert and tune the orchestra. Well, that goes... Back from long, 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 long ago, historically, before there were actually conductors, and it was the concert who, master who actually led the orchestra. Mm. So there is a, a long tradition of that, but um, it's not always people know that. And so there, this one young lady certainly <laughs> didn't know that. Uh, but there's
1: hard. a lot of the job that's actually in the background. No, it's, a sh- of, it's
0: a lot of as a lot of the pre planning. Oui, it's yeah. um, so what I do and the way my position is is constructed and it's different in every community is i prepare the front stand bowings for the first violins the second violins and the violas and so that's i pretty much go through everything that we see on our music over how many ever concerts it is we do a year it's a lot um obviously having been here as long as i've been here i don't have to do everything every year anymore which is great. But it is there is a lot of hours spent doing that behind the scenes. Um and then technically I am the leader of the, the musicians in the orchestra. So if we have a guest conductor for instance, it with with um our music director, the music director knows everybody well in, and and is very comfortable addressing everybody and knows how everybody's quirks and there's their good points and they're not so good points and so he'll know how to deal with it if there's a guest conductor often they might not know the situation between something going on in the orchestra or you know somebody had a baby or somebody is you know just recuperating from super surgery or something so sometimes I have to just sort of explain to the conductor what to do or sometimes everybody has their own way of expressing themselves and the conductor might say something that we sort of look at the conductor and go uh does that mean this or does Mm -hmm. that mean that and so then it is part of my job to try and sort out what the conductor wants. So it's sort of a multi... But from an
1: artistic standpoint also, from just the playing and the sound, like you set the tone, literally. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Hopefully like we I we do. Kind of blend or latch on to, you know, yeah. the...
0: That, I mean, that's being the pl- I'm playing leader as well as, mm, yeah. as some of the other the qualities that come into the position. It's true.
1: So if I'm not mistaken, are you the first female concertmaster in canada
0: no, no? I no not you know winnipeg used to have a concertmaster female concertmaster briefly many years ago
1: what about longest standing probably okay. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah it's getting up there now
1: mm-hmm. so how does that feel in terms of coming still a little bit into a world of a uh, boys club man, i would say or?
0: after the first five years here i never felt that oh, okay in my first few years here, it was uh, very apparent. Mm -hmm. But that has died down. And and I would say we are the most integrated orchestra on all fronts. Mm. I mean, from male, female, you know, color. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We are completely integrated. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, And you two
1: do a lot of... Chamber music. You have founded, I believe, the Winnipeg Chamber Music Society. I uh,
2: I did that the first year that we moved here. Yeah, back in nineteen
1: eighty-seven. Yes, that's a big part. Um, I want to talk about how it's different from orchestral playing. But David, how is it to uh, work with Gwen? How is it to to play music and to work together?
2: Well. You know, it's, that's a hard question to answer, I think, because we've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time we played chamber music together, we were teenagers. We might've been. Well, si- for sure. We yeah. were 16. We were 16 years oh, yeah. old. Okay. So we've been doing it for a long time and it's, it's, it seems very normal. Yes. You yes. You know, it seems that, you know, everybody does this, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like our children were brought up with music around them. Uh-huh. Um, And anybody who came to the door when they were growing up was either coming for a lesson or coming to rehearse. So, you know, that just seemed like a very normal part of life. And, Uh you know, for me... And
1: so you've played, you play with your kids too. Um, Well,
2: we do now. How was that? Well, you know, I was always their pianist when they were playing string instruments. Uh, But now, I mean, they're advanced, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, uh, we have a family piano quartet, which is is incredible fun.
0: (laughs) And we did not plan it.
2: No. All of a sudden, one day,
0: we were just like, wait wait a minute. (laughs) Like, seriously, it was like, what? Oh, we could actually do this. so we did. And so we did. Yeah. So it seems like there's so
1: much that always how i feel when i see you at work also gwen like you guys do so much like with the playing the teaching the traveling the the baking the cooking i don't know how you can manage your time <laughs> and put all of
0: that in you better talk to david about that well, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i just do it
2: gwen is an expert multitasker oh yeah <laughs> you know, it, it, most of the time it makes my head spin <laughs> <laughs> um, So, uh, again, this is something I've I've gotten used to. uh, And every so often when I take a step back and actually examine it, uh, you know, I just shake my head.
1: I mean, she did tell me she doesn't just watch TV. She has to do some oh, yeah, other that's true. work that's at the, the same time. Too, I have to keep or... my
0: hands moving. Yeah. Otherwise, I eat. And that's <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> that's so funny. It's true. I'll, I'll sit there and eat instead of like... So it's why I do stuff with my hands so I don't eat. <laughs> okay. Um, and the
1: traveling... Um... There has been a lot of trips to Asia still
0: now, or... No, not so much anymore. Oh, okay. But we used to go to China at least once a year mm-hmm. for a long time. And that was really neat. And it was great to get to know the culture a little bit, the food. Um,
2: the food is incredible. The food
0: is amazing. <laughs> um, and so... But, you know, there's wonderful Chinese restaurants here in Winnipeg where you can get very authentic Chinese food, too, so... We tend to scope those out from time to time.
2: Yeah, and we have students who keep us in the know.
0: <laughs> I see. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful time, but it's not so much part of our lives right now.
1: We, By choice, you just kind of well, end they up don't traveling. do
0: they the the organization we, we worked for does not travel the way it used to. They used to send a team over for auditions. Now everything is done online, and people don't travel. Oh, I see. Like we used to go okay. over and do classes and, and do auditions and, and uh, go to three or four cities every year. and Yeah. And oh, two hundred kids in each city, and it was crazy.
2: We do have open invitations to come, but uh, it seems it's a little bit harder to organize these days. And, mm. you know, we'll get back to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, so how do you guys manage stress or even do you have stress when you play concerts? For sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Don't we all? We? I'm just not <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, you seem to handle it so well. I'm like, oh, maybe, oh, maybe they yeah. don't. Oh, yeah. Are there pre-concert routines, special yoga,
0: breathing techniques? They tend to. Things tend to change. Um, certainly, certain concerts are more stressful oh, yeah. than others. Um, it all goes down to preparation, as I tell my students. You know how you prepare and that is the best way to deal with stress
2: is mm, that's it i always feel better when i've practiced <laughs> you <know>. he does <laughs>
0: yeah you are a very dedicated practicer and you
2: enjoy it i i do when i get things right yeah you too
1: so is this a repetition like for me there has to be a quite a bit of
0: repetition <laughs> but for you uh for certain things, absolutely, um, David. Definitely, you work very hard. Yeah, well, you work very. very you know, hard. there's a
2: certain comfort level that. Uh, well, there's an uh, there's a beautiful old Russian expression that goes something like "repetition is the mother of knowledge."
1: Ooh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that just means you know, have a good practice. It's it's, it's good for you. you. You know, everything feels better.
1: So is that your teaching philosophy? Um, I mean, repetition has to be done right. Well, you know,
2: that, well, that's it. I mean, you know, you have to show students the best way and the most efficient way uh, to repeat things, obviously. Um, you know, I can help anybody who wants to play better. You know, whether they're six years old or 60 years old or or if they want to play concerts or if they're not interested in playing many concerts, but, Mm -hmm. you know, want to have music as their career Mm -hmm. and have the piano in the background. So, you know, we just, uh, I don't know, sometimes it's difficult to put your finger on. I think a few years ago I was obliged to write a teaching philosophy. Which I think yes. at, the, at, <laughs> yes. the, at the basis of it, I'm, I'm not sure uh, that that's a good idea. You know, <laughs> okay. I think everybody who walks in the door, for me anyway, uh-huh. I have to get to know them. I, I, I try to assess them in the first five minutes. Okay. You know, even if it's students that I've had for many years, uh-huh. I have to assess how their last week has been, okay. you know, in the first five minutes yeah, yeah. and make sure that when they leave, they're a little bit better than when they walked in.
1: They have more tools. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
2: And, you know, when you've been teaching for a long time, you get a knack for that sort of thing.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I'm always curious how, so how do you teach musicality and phrasing? I'm always curious about this through, like, example singing, through listening. Uh, This is not necessarily something that a lot of people think that we just need to learn technically, right? Until they get to a certain level.
2: Well, I, I mean, for for my students, for pianists anyway, we want to make sure that that your hands are your friends. You know, we, you don't want your okay. hands to be liabilities. <laughs> right? And but you want them also. This is starting to get very esoteric, but no, you know, you want you want your hands to be the conduit, right? Oh, you yes. have something in your heart, you have something in your head. Uh-huh. Your hands are in the middle, and then some sound comes out of the piano. Mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, I'll have students, of course, who are, are really very good and, um, you know, they're, they're finding themselves and they're, they're playing the way that they want something to be heard. Uh, you know, I can always propose to them and demonstrate for them something that might be a little different, that might actually be a little further down the line um, that, what, that is what they want. Um, and they just need a little help, you know, they just need a little hint, a little push. There are other ones who are in more basic stages and, and, you know, we have to make sure that their hands are working well. And I mean, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I've worked with younger kids that, um, that have, have gone on to have careers as professional musicians and also maybe younger kids who have no interest in that sort of thing, but love to sit down and play the piano. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I've, one of my favorite students was a retired dentist who all his life, all he wanted to do was be a pianist, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but his dad made him become a dentist, and he was a darn good dentist, but he was so happy when he retired because he uh, could sit yeah. down and just play for hours and hours and hours. That's great. That's great.
1: Yeah.
2: He always, uh, he, he had the best editions. He brought the, the fanciest German <laughs> Beethoven sonatas. And he'd plonk them down on the piano very proudly and open up you know, <laughs> a volume and play through you know, the appassionata from beginning to end and turn yeah. the page and then start in on Les Adieux. <laughs> so
1: so have, have you played uh, Beethoven's triple Yes?
0: Oh,
2: yes. yes. A few times. Many, a ago. few times. Okay, how many yeah. times?
1: I don't
0: know.
2: I don't think we've actually counted, but I think the first time was... You know, long, so. long, long ago... The CBC, CBC had a, a radio competition. Right. And, That's right. We played it for them. And I, I'm not, I can't recall if they had it every year or every two years. Every but two they, years. Yeah. So they had a, you know, a piano solo competition and a violin competition and a vo- vocal competition, winds competition. At some point, they introduced something called a special category. So it was an unusual instrument, maybe a harp or something like that. And one year, it was chamber music. Uh, and that year... When and I and Desmond mm. entered in the competition, and we won. Um, but of course, the final round of all of these competitions is always a concerto. And really, there's only one concerto for piano, trio, or and orchestra, and it's the Beethoven Triple. And I think that was the first time we played it. I think that was
0: the first time. Yep, we, the first time. Yeah. we have played it a number of times since, most recently in Vancouver. Oh, no, we, it was after that, we did it in Regina
2: yeah last year oh, yes. last year we played it in Vancouver with Bramwell. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and six months later we played it in Regina and the conductor in Regina happened to be a pianist in my very first piano class at the University of Manitoba. And he's the principal conductor now okay. in, in Regina and he always wanted to have the triple concerto, so he invited okay. us to come <laughs> yeah. and play.
1: So I really like your intros at uh, the Chamber Music Concerts. I really like how you present the pieces in such a way that it's interesting and has lots of background. So can you guide us well, a little bit you. through this uh, Beethoven triple, just to, in a few few words?
2: Well, I mean, there's, you know, the Beethoven triple is, is probably, among musicians anyway, I think it's known as Beethoven's cello concerto. Okay. Because the cello part is supremely difficult, um, and Beethoven never wrote a, a, a cello concerto. I, I, I just want to make sure that people know that. I mean, he wrote five piano concertos and one violin concerto, uh, but he never wrote a cello concerto. But this, I think, sub, it substitutes for that. It, yeah, you know, it's a huge cello part. Um, the violin part, almost as big.
0: Mm, yeah but it's more like the the cello part the register is so high Uh. it's really really hard (laughs) the violin part is sort of in that sweet part on the e string for the violin Uh, so it's it's awesome
2: and the piano part is i mean i get to play tunes every now and then but it's (laughs) it doesn't it's not quite as uh um as important as as the two upper strings um let me think uh it's
0: it's um a large work
2: it is i mean it's long uh you know i think it's three quarters of an hour long
0: it's it's a big work Mm -hmm. yeah
2: the first movement like the the dimensions are really really big um
1: let me put it this way i feel like um beethoven does scare some people uh some listeners there's some sonorities that can seem severe uh, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, romantic in that
0: sense. What can we... Uh... Oh, this is Beethoven in C major. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is not that kind
2: of Beethoven that you were talking no, about. No, it's not the no.
0: dramatic Beethoven. It's very lyrical. It's very It's happy. very pure. It's very pure. Um, yeah. It's beautiful.
2: And the last movement, in fact, is a Polonaise, which I, Beethoven wrote, I think, two Polonaises, one for piano and this one. And it's a little bit of a party on, on stage. Everybody gets, <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah, it is. It really is. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, friendly piece. There. That
1: sounds really good. It is really so good. It is really good. So now on to the important stuff. Who's best at fishing? <coughs> oh, David. Really?
2: <laughs> I don't know. But I think we both do good work oh, out there. I don't there know. You
0: caught the bigger, you I caught the bigger walleye. I was surprised to hear about the fishing. Okay. David caught the bigger walleye last year. Yours was, what, 28 and mine was only 20 or 22? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do you don't have know. have pictures <laughs> to prove it,
2: though? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know, we bought a boat for the first time in our lives. Uh-huh. And um, so we're still getting to getting to know how how best to to use it. Uh But I think the first trip out, I caught the first fish that went into the live well. (laughs) And it was... It was a good one. It, I think it was a 26 inch walleye. I
0: think you were right.
2: Yeah. So, um, and it was delicious.
0: Oh, I
1: see. <laughs> Wait, did you uh, yourself uh, prepare it? Um yeah, David filleted, uh, filleted do it. You filleted all yeah. of that, Okay, that's all so of what that I'm stuff. looking yeah. for. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. With those knives. Okay.
2: But we tend to put back those bigger fish now because it's just better. Yeah. Um, and keep smaller ones for eating.
1: Yeah. And you can be out for how many hours? Just. Uh, well, it depends who
0: you talk to.
2: How many days, I think, is the question. (laughs) If you talk to me,
0: I'm like, like, as you've probably gathered, I like to do lots of things. So I'm not good at sitting in the boat for more than two to three hours. Oh,
1: that's good already. (laughs) David,
0: David, well, the boat is open, Elise. (laughs) (laughs) But David and Carl, especially, could be out there all day.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think we have been. I think you have been. And Carl is an expert boat driver.
1: So. We're talking about Carl Stoby. We are talking that's, about Carl Stoby, yes. Yeah. About. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's fun. Um, okay, so I was going to ask you just to share, if anything comes to mind with us, stories from the stage. And I have an idea for Gwen. oh. But you know, something strange or scary, awkward or <laughs> funny. And I have to talk about Gwen. Um, uh oh, what have I done? At a new music festival, you played. I think it was New Music Festival, you played a concerto, Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, it was Bramwell Mm Tovey, and you were pregnant? Yeah, so I played the concerto, (laughs) and then the fest. it was the first day of the festival, people like to think it was the last day of the festival, it wasn't, it was the first day of the festival. (laughs) I did make it through the rest of the festival, and on the last night of the festival, Bramwell looked at me and said, good luck, Gwen, and Sasha was not due for another eight days, but (laughs) He did come the next day. <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah. And with Julie, it wasn't quite like that. I took some time off before she was born. But Sasha, it was the last minute. It was, uh, he, was he was not expected quite that quickly.
2: Yeah, and we've been trying to catch up ever since. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true.
1: <laughs> so the kids are both studying music, music.
0: Which sort of took us both by surprise, but... no
2: they decided a few years ago that that's what they wanted to do Mm -hmm. and i mean we didn't push them in that direction um they're good Mm -hmm. you know so i think uh, you know that that helped them make up their minds Mm -hmm. um and we just thought that we would be behind them a hundred percent whatever it was they decided to do you know and sasha's a beautiful violist and julie is a beautiful cellist and uh you know, we're looking forward to, well, we're looking forward to making music with them when they come home in a few weeks.
1: Yep. Yes, that's great. Well, thank you so much for having us in your house, letting us intrude a little bit your, (laughs) your world. And we will be looking forward to the concert of the Beethoven triple.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks, Elise.
1: Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra will be presenting Beethoven's Triple Concerto with Gwen Hobeg, our concertmaster, Yuri Hooker on cello, principal cellist, and David Moroz on piano. That's happening on Friday, January 17th, and Saturday, January 18th. I am Elisabeth, your host for the Silence Between Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra podcast is a presentation of Past Bedtime Studios. Thank you and see you next time.